1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Let me give you some of the background here. This is the letter written by the disciple John around 85 to 95 AD. He's going to talk to a culture in a context at this point that is beyond the time of Jesus by a number of decades. Paul wrote all of his letters around 48 or 49 AD to about 61 or 62 AD. So 85 to 95 is much later, you know, chronologically speaking. Nero in 70 AD destroyed the temple there in Jerusalem. So we're 15 to 25 years past that point. There's all kinds of arguments and problems in their culture by that point. There's lots of racist things towards the Jewish community. There's animosity and infighting. And they're trying to figure out, as Christians who have experienced the love of God, how should they live in a difficult culture? Anybody think we need that today? So I, I got to tell you, last week, Rashad kicked off this uh, series by, didn't he just, I mean, the Spirit used Rashad last week in an incredible way. You got to go online and watch it if you missed it. But he talked about the love that our Heavenly Father has for us. And he began with uh, Gomer and Hosea in the book of Hosea, and demonstrated to us how much God loves us despite our inequities. Well, this week, if last week was about the Father's love, we're going to begin there, but we're going to end up talking about because he first loved us, then we are called to love other people, that the overflow of our lives is to love people well. Uh, yesterday, I did a Facebook Live thing on social media uh, outside with the snow, and it was beginning to melt. How many of you are excited that the snow and ice is beginning to melt around us? If, well, stop. How many of you are not excited? Man, this service, we're going to lay our hands and pray for this service because that's a lot of you. The last one was like seven. Must mean the heathens come to this service. But, you know, I was thinking about that and I'm kind of having fun with it. But the truth is, as I was sitting there hearing like the ice begin to melt, that, uh, I realize like when something thaws, this refreshing moment that for many of us in our lives, when it comes to love, what we're discussing, loveology, you're like, dude, you made up a word. Yes, we did. It just means the study of love in the Bible. And if we're really going to love and show people uh, in this world what it means to love like our Heavenly Father loved us, it's going to require the hardening of some of our hearts that have happened over this last couple of years to melt a little bit, to thaw out, soften up so that God can begin to use us in a fresh new way in this season in the life of humankind when God desires for us to live fully surrendered to him. And so that's really at the heart of what I want to discuss that the Lord has been trying to melt my heart this week, I feel like, as I've been preparing for this. And if we're just being real honest, some of us in our culture today have gotten quite jaded over the last year. And I want to talk about what it looks like to begin to live differently and to allow God to use us in our life. Okay, here we go. Are you ready to study God's word together, church? Let's go. First John chapter three, verse one, it says, see what great love the father has lavished on us. Now, if you didn't have a great mom or dad, uh, this side of heaven, I want to tell you your heavenly father is perfect in every way. The word love here in the New Testament, there are multiple words for the word love. Phileo love was like brotherly love. It was the way that you treated a friend. This word is agape. It means unconditional love. So the father's unconditional love, it says, is lavished on you. Like when you lavish something on something, it's overwhelming. 
There's no, you're going to fill that cup up and it's going to overflow like crazy. That's the depth of your father's love for you. By the way, it's unconditional agape love. If you're like, but uh, God didn't really love me because of the things that I have ingested into my body or inhaled, because of the way that I've treated people, the things that I've did, the ways that I've lusted, the things that I've looked at. God couldn't love someone like me. Then you don't understand what the Bible means by love. The word here means it's without condition. It does not matter the behavior. It matters that he's going to love you despite of one of the things we try and teach our kids who are actually at this service that no matter what their behavior we are going to love them, but, but their behavior has consequences, right? right? So our heavenly father, that we have consequences and there are moments of discipline, spiritually speaking, in our, in our lives, he lavishes his unconditional love on us despite the things going on in our life. And why did he do this? That we should be called, verse one again, children of God. And this is the kind of theme we're going to see, that you, if you've given your life to Jesus, are a child of God. You share in his inheritance. You're a son or a daughter of God. And because he lavishes love on you, it overflows in the lives of other people. The reason the world does not know us is that I did not know him. And then over the next eight verses or so, it begins to show the destructive nature of humankind and why the love of God isn't seen in the children of God. Look what it says here, verse two. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been known. We're gonna behave differently than we will in heaven. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Ouch. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone who lead you astray. The one who does, not, who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning of time. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Now, this is the place where Wesleyans and John Wesley theologically would say, because of the spirit in our life, we could live without sin in this world. I have a tendency to believe, while that certainly is a goal to shoot for, the reality is this side of heaven, we are all going to fail at times. But we should continue to strive to live in a way that is obedient to God. But let me tell you why all of this is important. If you struggle with loving people well in your life, it is a reflection, not just on your behavior, but on your identity as being a son or daughter of God. So you don't have just an obedience issue, you actually have an identity issue. Look at this last verse, so we could break that down even further. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. That the way people will look at us as followers of Jesus, you consider yourself a Christian at least. Many of you may not consider yourself a Christian, but if you consider yourself a Christian, the way people will know that you know God is whether they see the love that the Father lavished on you working out into the lives of others around you. That the big point this morning is that you would be known for love. 
And I'm going to talk about why many of us aren't known for that, myself included. So let's pray. God, first of all, I just acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit here. And I know uh, I've got a lot to share. But I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would take away any word that is not from you, that instead what is spoken here in Scripture would come through and speak to people's souls right where they're at, that it would be life-changing this morning, that we would be a community known for our love and people known to love others. We, we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You know, it's all great and fine to talk about being a loving person, to be known for love until you're on the phone with an Allegiant airline officer. <laughs> you guys remember when we used to take flights? Do you remember that when we used to fly? Uh, maybe some of you still do, but, or maybe some of you are like, that's expensive. I never flew. Well, that's because you never flew Allegiant. They will actually pay, pay you to get onto those planes because they don't know if it's going to make it there or not, <laughs> which is why my family loves to fly it. I love Allegiant. I'm making jokes, but it's nice and cheap. If you're not from the Midwest and you're attending online from different parts of the country or world, believe it or not, we have multiple countries that join us every single weekend. Uh, we want to tell you, it's been cold here in Indiana, and there's this beautiful thing that happens in February and March where the skies are gray every single day. So occasionally, we like to get away to the sunshine, and there's multiple airlines, including Allegiant, that give you super cheap flights that you hop on the plane and you get down to Florida where it's nice and sunny. But one year, a few years ago, uh, you know, I preach all about the love of God. I'll lead people to Christ. I want to tell you about Jesus and the good news of Christ and how he changed your life. You have eternity uh, with him in paradise forever. And then I get uh, to the airline and I've got a, who, uh, now a five-year-old. At that time, he was probably about three. His name is Jet right here. He's got a lot of energy. He is a lot of fun, but it's a little different. How many of you have taken uh, small kids on an airplane or in the airport before? You got to pray a lot before you enter into that adventure. And so, we had been waiting in the airport for multiple hours and they continued to delay the flight. And I was nervous that they were going to cancel the flight. And so I finally decided, you know what, uh, Lisa, we are going to get on in the car and we are just going to drive. We're going to drive down there. I'm going to show those Allegiant people wrong. I'm going to, out of spite and pride, I'm going to show them. I'm going to make it there before that plane gets there because I want to get down there to that warm weather. You all know what probably happened next. We went out to the car, we got in the van, we drove up 20 minutes down the road and got a notification that the flight would no longer be delayed and they were gonna take off within about an hour or so. <laughs> and we were about to drive 15 hours for those not from the Midwest. So I did what any loving Jesus uh, father or husband would do. I got on the phone, I called the Legion Airlines, I said, oh, there's been a mistake. Uh, we thought the flight was gonna cancel, but it didn't, so we would like to get back on the plane. And out of their kindness, they said, great, we got a spot for you. Just show up. We'll get you right on the plane. No, that's not what they said, or there'd be no story. He said, he, he, he goes, yeah, that's not going to happen. I was like, what do you mean? We were just on the plane. Yeah, but you rescinded your ticket. Oh, but you have extra seats on that plane. And he's like, yeah, but you can't have one. I was like, what do you mean we can't have one? I was just there. You're not even sold out. And then this beautiful thing happened that all of a sudden this conversation, like the Jesus-loving side of me got very small very small. And this other guy began to creep out. And, and, and suddenly there I am uh, in front of my kids uh, discussing very loudly on the phone why we needed to get on that plane. And then they'd be the first to tell you uh, some anger came up. I said some things that I regret. I regret it. I hope they never re released the recording of it. But there I am in front of my kids. And you know what happened? 
Because the enemy loves to do this. He loves to tell you, if you just don't behave the way we're talking about today, you don't live out of the love of God. If you live differently, you'll get what you want. You know what happened? I got what I wanted. We got on the plane and we got to fly down there and we boarded that plane in like an hour and a half because I got really angry and said some mean things to this person on the phone. But you know what? I gave up in the process. I taught my children how to behave poorly when problems come up in their lives. I taught my children and my family that the way that you live is to try and get what you want rather than care about the way you treat people. That I, I actually gave up more than I received on that, and I couldn't see it at the time. But I wonder how many of us, we give up what's most important to be known for our love as a child of God because we just want this thing that we just desire and we have to have. And the enemy is whispering in our ear. They just read in that passage that we could be a child of God or a child of the devil here. The enemy is whispering in us, you need to get yours. You need to achieve. Who cares who you run over at work? Who cares what your spouse feels? You're not getting what you desire. Who cares what your children think and the way God has wired them? You want them to act a certain way. And we can get into this manner of behavior that we get away from the experience of the love of Christ in our lives. You know, one that I've never regretted is when I actually sacrificed to live out of love for other people. When we first started the church, um, it actually, we used to meet in a home four minutes from here. Some of you, the Nickums were there in those days. Remember, Carter, when you about broke our chandelier, jumping off the furniture and all that kind of, yeah, man, those are fun times. But I want to tell you that in that time, uh, you know, my kids were really rowdy. We had lots of kids in the house and we loved that as families. But the one thing that we really had during that time was people loved each other. If you want to know like the secret sauce to reaching people for Christ and church planting, experience the love of God, spend time with him, root yourself in him, have your identity firmly in being a son or a daughter that he lavishes his love and then let that love that is poured into you pour out onto other people in your life. You will reach so many people for Christ. It will be unbelievable. I can remember during that time when I would go into the store, I wasn't worried about the things that I sometimes get distracted by today. I was worried about what if God wants to use me in the store? I was planting a church. We need to reach people for Christ. So what if God wants to use me on the airplane? What if God wants to use me in this? I remember uh, a subway guy. We don't have an underground subway system here in Indiana. I'm talking about the sandwich shop, those online. I, went to the, I would go to the, uh, off of College Avenue. I'd walk over to Subway every day. And I remember uh, meeting Mike there. Mike was a great dude. He sold me subway sandwiches. And we got to know each other. He had to come to the church. And his friend came to the church. He got baptized. And it's just well, the love of Christ when you are open to interacting with other people, how it just pours out. Can I tell you my big problem with American Christianity today? Rather than being known for our love. And I want to ask you this question. Are you known for the way that you love people? Let's get real. I'm going to share my own fault and failures in this. Are you known for the way you love people? Because in American church culture, unfortunately, we're known more for what we are against than for our love. We are known more for the way that we tell people to vote than we are for our love. We're known more for the way that we point fingers and tell how we're being wronged and persecuted than we are for our love. And many of those things maybe have some semblance of truth of them, but we are missing out on the big picture that God might use us, that we would be known for our love and the way that we interact with people on social media, in the workplace, in the school, in the home, the way that people see us interacting, that the reflection of our behavior doesn't just uh, show when my kids misbehave, I have a conversation with them because they may be embarrassing themselves for misbehavior, but they're also, it has a reflection of the values of our family and of us as parents. 
And so your heavenly father, when you interact and behave a certain way, it, it shows them what Christians live like. It shows them the, uh, what our heavenly father thinks. It shows them what our values are. And we're missing the mark too often as Christians today. Let me say it again for those in the back. I know we got a lot. We had to figure out how to get chairs in here. Everybody back there. I want to tell you today that Christians shouldn't be known for just what they're against or how they vote or why other people are wrong. They should be known for the love of Jesus Christ. Now, now caveat to that. Some of us, when we think of the word love, we think of certain things. Maybe you think of empathy or compassion or mercy or grace. And that is certainly an aspect of the love of God. Absolutely. But what does John chapter 1 and verses 14 and 17 tell us? It says that Jesus came to bring both grace and truth. That if God is love and the way of Jesus is to love, then the way to love is to offer both grace and truth, 100% of both the people in our life. So some people need to hear the, the grace of God in a way that it's meaningful to them. And some people need to hear the truth of God that might bring conviction. And that's not always easy. But too often we move to just calling people out or not addressing anything in our lives. And I want to tell you, uh, love doesn't mean just saying, hey, you're wrong and you've always been wrong and you're always going to be wrong. It means telling it to them. What does Romans chapter 2 tell us? How to reach people for Christ. It says that kindness leads to repentance. So we must have both grace and truth. That's the love of Christ that we get to bring and interact with people. And so when the apostle John is telling people that Christians, children of God, will be known for the way they show the love of their heavenly father to people, it means we live in a way that we bring grace and truth into the interactions in our lives. What does that look like for you? See, I want to very quickly in our short time we have left break down the remainder of 1 John chapter 3, that, that we are meant to love people. And here's why. We are meant to love people, number one, we already mentioned, because we are children of God. We are children of God. It's a reflection on what the family of God looks like. It demonstrates to people the love of God in the world. Verse 10 says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who, do, who does not love their brother and sister. The way that people in your sphere of influence see God's love. You want to study the love of God, loveology? They see it in the way you interact and act towards people in your life. That's how they can experience God's love. And if you're like, I struggle with that because I just shared with you, my temptation the enemy loves to do in my life over the last uh, decade hasn't been the things when I was a younger man, I struggled with addictive habits or lustful things. Later in life, it's been more of like achievement and, and giving up of relationships and not caring enough and loving people and entering into hard relationships. Because let's be honest, if you're going to love people the way we're describing in the Bible, it makes your life harder. It's much easier just to avoid and separate yourselves from people. I, I told my wife this, like I've noticed on social media, I've posted much less in the last couple of years. Because people are so quick to point out what's wrong with things and they get mad about things and they blow up about things. And I realized that I've kind of just been avoiding some of that relationship and that could lead to isolation. And so the Lord has been teaching me this week in pre preparation for this, that to love people well means to enter in to relationship in people's lives. Let's stop here for just a second, because do not hear that if you love people well and you are obedient, then your heavenly father will like you and you will have salvation and go to heaven. 
The Bible teaches the exact opposite, by the way. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. It's going to be on the screen real quick. For it is by grace you've been saved, not by works. So uh, not for yourselves. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. That it's freely given to you. You did nothing to deserve the forgiveness and grace of God. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to become a loving person in order to receive the lavishing love of your heavenly father. He has agape, unconditional love for you. You strayed from him and were disobedient to him. He still loves you right where you're at. But you do have to choose to receive that love and accept it and allow him to lavish his love onto you. And when you do that, then verse 10 says that, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That when we've received that grace and forgiveness, then we act, we overflow his love of good works into the community and those around us. This is a response to what we've already experienced. James says it more bluntly like this in James chapter 2, verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action. It is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith with your deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. <laughs> that when you truly have experienced the love of your heavenly father, it turns towards action in your life that people can see the good works of God, the overflow of his love towards others. And so that's what I was saying earlier, that if you're not a loving person and kind towards people, and you're not known for love in your life, you don't have an obedience problem. You have an identity problem because you're not being filled up with God in your life that it's overflowing to those around you. And that's what I've been getting challenged in my own life about, of how to enter into what God is doing in the world. And I find sometimes, can we get real? Some of us, we're talking about being a child of God or a son or a daughter of God. We're kind of like, uh, I'm not sure I want to be that. That means I'd have to give up stuff, my time, my energy, maybe even my resources. That doesn't sound fun. God's going to ruin my life. I got fun things on my agenda that I don't want to be taken away. And some of us, we don't want to be the son or the daughter of God. We're fine. Well, I'll be fine with being a fourth cousin twice removed. Right? I'm in a family, but I'm not having to actually change and live out this inheritance of God in my life and live it out of love. I want to tell you, I think that's a lie that the enemy loves to teach us, that you're actually missing out on your life and the love that you'll receive back because you love other people well. And in the short time we have, I want to show that to you because what we're talking about matters. You are meant to love people because we are children of God, but also because it's a matter of life and death for you and for me, spiritually speaking. Look what he says here in verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. Who should love one another? Do not be like Cain. Remember Cain? He was fun. Who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. That spiritually speaking, you know, John chapter three says that we are born again, not of flesh, but of spirit, that you have a new life. You're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Second Corinthians 5, 17, that God's at work in your life and people can see it. It's poured over into those around us. And what he's saying here, when you see that, you see life and not death. Verse 15, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. What it's saying is that you don't see the salvific work that the Lord has done in your life 
People miss out and don't get to see it when we're not filled with the love of God. Another way of saying this is this. It's talking about, have you ever seen like a fruit, like an apple tree or an orange tree that has begun to wither and die? And it produces no fruit. But if something is alive, the apple tree or the orange tree doesn't have a choice but to produce fruit in its life. That's the life of a Christian. When you've experienced the love of God deeply in your life, people see the fruit of it in your actions towards other people. I mentioned those early days and just seeing like the way God worked in our Outpost Network. In fact, I just saw uh, Callie. Hey, Callie. Uh, Callie was our neighbor who, uh, and she's here today for our daughter's baptism. And uh, we got to know her and the love of God at that time. Callie actually led our children's ministry pretty much for like a year. Shana, you also led it for like a year or something like that too. Because God was just at work and moving in these few families' uh, lives. And it started with that love that God had for us and it meant love for each other. And I think that as Christians, if we live that out in the world, you'll have stories to tell for all of eternity. The word life in Greek is zoe. And the word love here is agape, unconditional love. And that that rose bush is going to produce roses. The, the, The apple tree is going to produce apple. What spiritual fruit are you producing? What life do you see of unconditional love in your life? And if you're like, well, I don't know what to do or how to actually live that out. What do you do if you want to live out love more? I'm going to give you just some simple ways to do that. One, you can start with your oikos. If you've been around long enough, you're like, oh, I've heard this word so many times. It's not yogurt. It's actually the Greek word for household. It's the eight to 15 in your sphere of influence. That your greatest mission in life, the way the gospel has been spread for thousands of years, yes, it's through proclamation of the gospel to people you may not know, but the primary way it has done it is by the people God has supernaturally already placed in your established set of relationships in your life. That if you just love them with the unconditional love that your heavenly father has for you, it's gonna change lives. There's no way around it. It just will. And I'm telling you guys, if you do this, it'll be life-changing because there's this beautiful thing about to happen in a couple of months here in the Midwest. If you're not from here and you have sunshine and it's 80 degrees where you're at today, we love you in Jesus, but we don't like you in the human flesh because (laughs) I wanna tell you right here, it's been cold. But this thing's going to happen where in the spring, we're going to have like 70 degree weather one day. And this amazing thing occurs here in the Midwest. Like 8,000 people will come out of their homes in your neighborhood at one time, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because they can't believe it's sunny. They're like trying to breathe the air. (sighs) I can't believe it's finally here, right? Like you, you think that isn't that special, but I lived in California for a long time. You know what people did when the weather was nice one day? The same thing they did the day before. They stayed in their house because they just expect it every day. So they never go outside because they never appreciate the weather. We actually appreciate it here. And when you go outside, you have an opportunity to interact with people. And it it looks a little different right now. I get that. But I want to tell you that God can use your interactions with other people to change the course of human history. One of the ways you could do that, love your oikos. The other way you could do that is to simply walk towards people rather than the way. Like, what does that mean? When you walk out of your house and you see your neighbor... And I'm going to tell you, the last couple of years, I've gotten really bad at this. And I could preach a great sermon, but it doesn't matter what I say. It matters how I act. And, and the truth is, I, I, a lot of times, like, I can do one of these things, you know what I'm talking about? Instead of walking towards my neighbor, getting to know him, I, I, I will, like, some of you do this. I don't do this. You're worse than me. Some of you, like, hide. You get, they're going to see me, right? But my favorite is the, 
I don't, instead of looking back and waving, you actually turn this way and wave like this. The, I'm going to pretend like I like you, but I don't want to talk to you at all. See the hand. That's what some of you do to your neighbors and those in your life. We got to open ourselves up to the love of God that we've received and demonstrated towards other people in your life. And you may be a totally introverted person. That's okay. You can still love people. What does this look like in your life? And then the third way is that you could actually live in community and do this. We call them outposts. If you don't hear much about outposts, uh, we, we don't want people to go through them first. We want you to go to the first step class. It's this Wednesday night from 7 to 8 p.m. If you're new, come. I'm going to be there. My wife's going to be there. We'd love to meet you. Fill out a Connect card or, or go to the guest center out in the lobby. You can sign up for it. It's just an hour-long child care is provided. But after that, we want people to go through Rooted, this 10-week initial discipleship experience together. But the long-term community on mission, and those of you who have been around Mercy Road and you've been through Rooted, or you were even in an outpost at one time, but you don't have community on mission in your life right now. That's what the outpost is designed for. In fact, we got a little video. This is the new outpost uh, leader guide that's coming out. This is phase one. They're still developing phase two that we're going to be releasing, teaching you how to start an outpost, to live on mission in your community, to make an impact. If you've been like, I would love to love this people group who's hurting right now. I can see that they're hurting. Somebody should do something about it. What if God is calling you to do something about it? The day of the professional Christian must be over. We don't pay people so that they will go live on mission for us. We live out of the love our Father has lavished on us. We share it with other people. Our 130-page huddle guide, by the way, is going to print right now. It's going to be out real soon. Thank you, Pastor Kathy, for developing that. And Greg and Kimberly and the team of developing this outpost guide that will be coming out in the spring as well. Pretty pumped for what the Lord is doing. Because the enemy would love to tell you, if you made time to live on mission in the community and love people the way that you were designed to love people, that you will have to give up your time and your energy, and you don't really want to do that. And the truth is, let's be honest, sometimes we don't. But the enemy loves to tell us that it's going to steal and destroy the fun life we've had. And the reality is, when we don't live that way, we miss out on the benefit of the community of God loving people together. John chapter 10, Jesus says this in verse 10, I have come that they have life and have it to the full. But it was the enemy, the thief who comes, the Satan that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You are missing out on the full life that God intends for you by not opening yourself up to the love of Christ and what he could do in your life. The third and final point, we're gonna end where we started. That the reason that we live out of love is because Jesus first loved us. He first loved us. Look at verses 16 to 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? And when God moves you to that pity, you go and talk to Pastor Greg and start an outpost to live on mission to help that people group. We've oriented the entire church to give away an inordinate amount of resources. You can apply for thousands of dollars of financial grants to live on mission to help that people group. God is calling you to reach. And the only thing is stopping you is the enemy telling you, you don't have time. You're going to have to deal with people. You're, gonna, you're, not gonna, you're gonna regret it. It comes once a week. And what if you have to, you don't wanna do it that week, right? Like, but what if, what if the Lord gave you stories to tell in heaven? I'm convinced some of us, we're in the family and we're gonna get to heaven. And when other people are sitting around telling the stories of how God used them for all of eternity, we're gonna be sitting there doing this, just listening. Because we got in, 
But God didn't use our life because we didn't make ourselves available. We teach people, I didn't say this at the last service, we teach people, look for fast people, faithful, available, spiritual people that are teachable and willing to be moved. We're not nearly as impressed with people who have great talents and abilities because it's our, our faithfulness, our availability that allows the real talent and ability, which is the almighty God, the creator of the universe, to use us to minister to people who are hurting, broken, and lost. Jesus first loved us. Verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. The truth is, none of this matters until we're on the phone with the Allegiant Airlines again. <laughs> or you're on social media and that person who's been wrong for a really long time can't hear your way. The way that we interact and the way that we love is through our actions. Here's how we know the depth of someone's love for us, by the way. One, we know how much it costs him or her. Uh, my wife would be the first to tell you. Uh, you guys remember the five love languages? In our marriage, my wife has one of, that she really is passionate about, that if I just do this, if anybody know what it is of the five? It, it's whatever I haven't been doing lately. Right? That's true. We make jokes about it. Because then it actually costs me something because I'm not doing it naturally and it shows my love and, and care for her. And vice versa. Jesus demonstrated for us by laying down his very life for us. And number two, we know the depth of someone's love for us by how little we deserve it. Romans 5, 7, and 8. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. And some of us think, I'll start loving other people well when they hit rock bottom and they admit their problems. I'm going to let them wallow in them for a little while because they created their problems. What if the Lord loved us that way? Receive the unconditional love of God and share that with other people. Here's how else we know of someone's love for us by the greatness of the benefits we receive. In 1 John 3, it talks about he lavished his love on us and so we get to be a child of God. The greatest experience, the greatest commodity, the greatest thing you could ever have this side of heaven. I know you want that nice uh, vacation condo or lake house or the boat or the car. And those things in and of themselves are not wrong. But I want to tell you, the greatest thing that you will ever receive this side of heaven is the love of God. And, and he, he, it's free of caught charge, by the way. And he lavishes us on us. And he does not care of the things that we have done to alienate him. We don't deserve it. But while we were still sinners, he continued to do it. And the greatest benefit is you don't just share an eternity in heaven. You get to experience the love of God right now. And when you think of that, when I first became a Christian... And I knew what I had come out of. I am not a crier. I'm not an emotional person that way by any means. But for the first month afterwards, I just randomly, almost every day, would break out in tears. Because when you've experienced undeserved love in your life, you just can't believe it. You're like, I don't deserve this. You shouldn't even like me, let alone love me. And you get to show that to other people. And and right now, there's someone in your life that needs to see that. And the only action they will ever get is not your words, but the way that you treat them the way that you overflow with the love of God in their life. Finally, number four, we know the depth of someone's love for us by the freedom that love has. No one takes my life, Jesus says, from me. I lay it down of my own accord. He gave up his life for us. And it's our duty, our call, not to love people and surrender that we might get something in return, but out of the freedom of choice that we have to love people despite the, the fact that they may or may not deserve it. 
I'll end with this story. It, it happened 65 years ago this year. Uh, there was a man here who was actually related to the people that I'm going to talk about. Many of you may have seen this story uh, in a movie about 15 or 20 years ago called End of the Spear. And it tells the story of these missionaries that went to Ecuador and they were trying to reach unreached people groups. And they got on a plane, a small plane, and flew into the Amazon forest in the eastern part of Ecuador to reach the uh, Wodani tribe, an unreached people group. And when they got there, uh, they actually met them and were speared and killed by them. It was a devastating thing that made the national news and everybody was, it was a horrific thing. Like, God, why did you waste these, these missionaries' lives? God, where are you? And you know what happened because of that? The wives of the men that lost their lives chose to still go to that tribe. And this tribe that had only known how to deal with their problems through violence when someone was killed in their family, you'd go kill someone else from someone else's family. That's the way you, you treated each other. That's the way that you lived. They didn't know this Christ-centered love. And these wives began to love that community and things began to change. And then they invited the children there. And this man that you see in the center there, his name is Steve Saint. His father was killed. One of the missionaries killed in that. And so he knew what it was like to lose a loved one and he had to choose how he was gonna respond and so because he had lost, like the tribe members had lost, they actually received him more into their family. And what ended up happening was this man right here, the man on the right, Steve Saint, his dad, Nate, was killed by the man on his right, was speared to death. And because he forgot, forgave the man that murdered his father, it changed the hearts of that man and changed the hearts of that tribe and hearts began to melt and thaw out and there was no longer anger and animosity and vitriol. Instead, there was forgiveness and grace and truth and compassion and the love of Christ permeated that place and it changed this entire tribe there in the Amazon rainforest. What do you think it could do in your community? If you laid it down and you sacrificed for them and you said, God, use me. That's what this is all about. When we baptize people here in a moment, my, my daughter... If anybody else wants to be baptized today, the tank's full. We can baptize you. It represents that you have given your life and surrendered to Jesus Christ. He is your heavenly Father, has lavished his love, and you want to live out of love for other people in your world to bring the grace and truth of Jesus to people who desperately need it. And so if you would like to join that family, if you'd like to participate in loving the community around us, I just invite you to pray with me. God, I pray first for those of us who are Christians that we might not become conceited or jaded in this season of humankind that your love that you've lavished on us might overflow and melt our hearts in a way that we love others well. For those then who are here and maybe have never fully surrendered, they, they may be the fourth cousin twice removed, but they've never joined you as a son or a daughter to surrender their entire life to your Lordship. I invite you to do that right now. If that's you in the room, I'm not gonna have you do anything, but just pray this silently as I pray out loud. God, I confess that I need you. Forgive me for doing life without you. I repent of it. And right now, I commit my whole life to your Lordship. Use me to love other people well. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen.